We must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field, and I'm joined tonight by a very lovely guest, one who has actually already done this interview. Due to some technical difficulties, we somehow managed to lose the file, but we got her back. We're ready to do it again for round two. So, Tavana Boggs, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and let, let them know what you're up to these days? Oh my goodness, that's too funny. Yeah, I'm Tavana Boggs. I am a physical therapist by trade turned life coach and business mentor for those of us who decide that we want something a little bit different and we want to practice in different ways. And how that looks these days is either practicing on the prevention side of the fence via wellness coaching or fitness, health prevention, that kind of thing, or if you just decide that you don't want to practice in a clinic and you want to figure out what that next move is, the next chapter is, that's how I help. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your educational journey and how that kind of led you to where you are today. Well, mine is pretty simple. I'm one of the last bachelors in, in physical therapy. So in August, 2001, I came out of school. I did all the things in terms of going up. I went, started an orthopedic outpatient, went into management and quickly found out that that wasn't going to work for me. I'm a little bit of a a rebel and I need a little bit of freedom. And unfortunately, I was denied PTO, even though I had it in the bank, Mm -hmm. to go to my brother's graduation with his master's from NYU. And that was when I decided that this was not gonna work for me. And I gave them the 30 days notice and started my contracting company. So that was my first soiree into a non-traditional path as a contractor, which I absolutely loved because I, I need to keep moving. And it allowed me to learn a lot by following other clinicians' plan of care. And I also realized that they knew some things that I didn't know because I would look at somebody's plan of care or what they were doing, like, what is this? I don't know what any of this is. And I'm based out of Atlanta, so it really forced me actually to go to University of St. Augustine and do their manual therapy tract and learn a few things so that I could effectively follow treatments. And it also allowed me to start going into other things like acute care and subacute and home health, LTAC. I've done all of those. And how did it get me to the place where I'm doing non-clinical? I think I just got bored. I got burned out at one point in time. And actually going to take a continuing education course gave me a wellness coach certification, which I went to figure out how to start that type of business. And the lady that I did a consult was like, you need more training. 
and she passed me along to the life coach school. I got trained and certified there. And here we are six years later. <laughs> Savannah, one of the buzzwords we've been hearing about a lot lately, not only in academia, but healthcare in general is burnout. You've got some interesting takes on burnout. Could you give our audience some insight as to what burnout is, what it looks like, and some keys to avoid it? Ooh, I just read a really good article from uh, the JAMA today where they were talking about we should be a little bit more clear in our language and differentiating between burnout, moral injury, moral distress, and some of these things. And I can share that article with you, uh, Scott, if you want to put it so that everybody can read that. But the as the research puts it, burnout is comprised of three components, which is exhaustion, emotional exhaustion in particular, detachment, and a sense of decreased personal accomplishment. And what I've noticed over the couple of years that I've worked specifically in burnout, that there are kind of two spectrums of it. There's the burnout where people are under a lot of stress and duress and they are not able to manage what's going on. And then there's what I think is happening around the 15 year mark where people get a little bit bored. And so to speak more specifically to the burnout, um, one of the things that I work on with people is reframing and shifting perspective because a lot of times we go into healthcare and we're, we feel disempowered and we feel helpless and we feel like, you know, nothing ever changes around here. And so what I really work on with people is to understand how they can shift their thoughts and take their power back. And once they see how they're thinking about certain things, they actually become more confident, they become empowered, they become hopeful and take the necessary steps to make change wherever they are. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. And I know that you've taken your PT background and gone more of that non-traditional route. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why you thought it made sense to take that route? Well, I think because I had always been, just like many of us, we've always been fascinated with the body. And at the time when I graduated, life coaching, wellness coaching wasn't a thing, right? Um, maybe there was personal training, but I wanted to be more of a professional than just a certificate in personal training. So as I had my own health challenges, I got even more interested in how do you become more fit, right? And how do I went on that side and took the interest the information and education I had as a physical therapist and paired it with what I learned about strength and conditioning and built that as a wellness coach because my area was really specifically on emotional eating because that's what I suffered with. So I was trying to solve that for myself and wanted to reach back and help others. And just having that background as a physical therapist really was a great way to merge the two. Yeah, I love that take on it, Tavana. And what would you say are some of the hurdles or the barriers or stigmas attached to following an alternative career path like that? Well, so many. I think for myself and for many people that feel like they're called to do things differently, there's this idea if you don't do it the way that everybody else is doing it, then maybe you're wasting your degree, your license, your career. Uh, people feel very challenged because starting your own business, whether it's starting your own clinic, and certainly if you're going to start doing something different like coaching that you have no real roadmap or blueprint to follow, it's scary. And so that I think really and truly the fear uh, 
of making a mistake, failing, getting it wrong is the biggest hurdle. Yeah, I think that that's maybe a lot of reasons why people maybe don't go into alternative or non-traditional paths with physical therapy. You know, the, the fear of something that's not maybe safe. I mean, working in healthcare is one of the safest jobs that you can go into because the chances of somebody not needing a physical therapist or a nurse or a physician is relatively low. What types of things do you think schools should do to implement or to encourage people to consider alternative careers or to introduce alternative careers? Or do you think that that's not even needed, that that's something that people should seek outside of school? That's a challenge because I know I felt like my brain was going to explode when I left PT school. So if I were to say that they should add another tract on how to go through non-clinical, non-traditional, that would be a challenge. That would really be a challenge. But I think it might be a good idea if some of the schools would invite people in to do some talks or maybe to at least expose people to the options and opportunities that are out there. That that would probably be a, a great route. What are some of the expert tips or secrets that you would give people who are just starting out in potentially exploring that alternative career or that non-traditional PT career? If they're looking for a job or if they're looking to start their own business? Well, I would say, I'd say both. Both. yeah, I would say for the most part, I can't speak to trying to get a job in a non-traditional tract, but certainly be ready get yourself, get your mind right and ready to really be a maverick and figure it out on your own. Don't go in expecting to find jobs, you, which is the positive and the negative of it, right? Because you get to create what you want. You get to make it how you want. If a lot of people are feeling like they're under somebody's thumb and the managers don't listen and all of these things, you have that opportunity to create what you want. Um, But at the same time, in creating what you want and doing it on your own, you also don't have anything to follow and you don't necessarily have that safety net. So that's one of the things to be aware of. The other thing that I find when it comes to, in terms of business is, and maybe we can talk about this a bit, is it's a lot easier to find clients when you find your lane. And what I mean by that is, Physical therapy, just like you said, Stephanie, is pretty well known. There are people that know what nurses are, what doctors are, what physical therapists are, and they already know what that is. But if you step out and you do something in terms of non-traditional preventative coaching, fitness, that kind of thing, it could be a dime a dozen. So how do you stand out? And I really encourage people to find a lane and stay in that lane because it helps you to be like a beacon so that people can more easily find you. And then you don't have to worry about the ups and downs as much of finding clients. Yeah, Tavana, I wanna revisit that a little bit here in a minute. I think you hit on a couple of really good points. One, whether it's looking for a job or creating your own business and being an entrepreneur, I think, you know, physical therapists overall are pretty creative. You know, we're, we're, we're always adapting things, right? Whether it be exercises or equipment or whatever. We talk about this all the time. Like 
PTs are pretty good at adapting. So I think you do need to be open to, to the opportunities that could come your way if you are looking for a non-traditional job or a non-traditional uh, business. You know, I think as long as you are, you know, thinking outside of the box and trying to apply what skill sets you already have and how that could benefit the person on the other side of the job application or, you know, the other side of the services you'll be providing through your business, I, you know, I think you'll end up just fine. But, you know, that being said, I think you bring up a really good point where, you know, if you can find your niche, and we talk about this a lot in a lot of different settings, especially, uh, you know, in small businesses and people starting their own clinics and things like that. If you can find your niche, and like you said, really stay in your lane and find your perfect patient, your avatar, things go really well. You know, you can really focus in on serving that population very, very well at a very high level. From there, they start to refer other people that are maybe not in the niche directly. And I, I find things just start to snowball from there. And people, I, I really do, I find it's a mistake early on to try to just grasp and reach for everybody at all the time and help everybody all at once. And, you know, it's kind of cliche nowadays, but to say that to, you're speaking to everybody, you're actually speaking to nobody, right? Because it's very different messaging for very different populations. So can you talk a little bit about that, about finding your avatar and really going in on a deeper dive on who you want to serve? Oh yeah. Well, I want to back up for a second and, and speak to something you said before. I think when people hear business mentors, coaches, marketers, that kind of thing, talk about finding a niche or finding your perfect patient, ideal client, what have you. They think that that means that you can't work with anybody else, which is not true. What we're, what we're talking about really is how are you gonna focus your time, your energy, your effort, your marketing dollars on speaking to one person, creating things for them, um, I actually just connected with a physical therapist who works with triathletes. So he's going to have different equipment in his facility than uh, a physical therapist that works with geriatric patients. He's going to go market in different places than that other physical therapist that works with geriatric patients. Now, does that mean that he could not, if he wanted to accept a geriatric patient post total knee replacement if they're not a triathlete? No. So I think that's the part where people get kind of messed up and they say, oh, well, if I, you know, I'm leaving people out. No, you don't have to, but you're just trying to be more like laser targeted and where you're spending your time and, and your money because those are limited resources, especially the time. So how does one do more of a deep dive in terms of how to find that ideal client or perfect patient avatar? I tend to look back at what is the thing that you can't stop talking about? What are the things that you love to do? What is a problem that you've solved for yourself? I have one client who, unfortunately, her grandma just passed, but she started her business that helped people age in place in their own homes because she saw what happened to her grandmother when she had to leave the home and go into a long-term care facility right? And so what can't you stop talking about? What uh, has a, a special like emotional tie to you? What problems have you solved for yourself? What are you just fascinated by? Those are some questions that you can start with because I will tell you that 
starting a business, even if and when you have all the things lined up, requires a lot of energy and effort. And if you love something, then it's going to help you get over the hump a lot better, faster, more than the person that's just in it for the money or in it to just vaguely help people. Like, what does that mean? Who are you helping? It's, trust me, if you go into business, you know that you're not going to do all of the work and go through all of the stress and drama and frustration that it might take to really get that thing off the ground. Yeah, I love that. That's a great take. It it really is. Entrepreneurship is definitely not for everybody. Starting your own business is not easy. You really do. You have to love it. You have to have a passion for it or else it's going to be slow going. It's going to be tough to get that thing off the ground. And that's why I think so many of them fail over, over the years, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Tavana, we ask all of our guests this one final question. If you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? I got to give you two. (laughs) One of them, one of them I would say would be a bit more self-directed learning. I think a number of people leave higher education and like, I'm not going to read another book ever in my life. And it's really to their detriment. And part of it is because they were forced, quote unquote, to, to learn things that they didn't feel was important to them. So Obviously, we need the the basics. We need didactic information to be safe with our patients. So I recognize that. The other thing that I would say needs to change would be bringing in people from other industries. So if we're talking specifically about healthcare education, bringing in people from marketing, from sales, from technology, where that's their wheelhouse to educate us because I said before, Albert Einstein, I believe it was, it said you cannot solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it. And so I think we need to mix it up a bit and bring in some other people that can help us solve some of these problems that frankly are not not in our zone of genius. That said, if I talk about marketing and sales, when I said that we need to allow people to have a little bit more self-directed learning, there's also an aspect of sales when it comes to being an educator i think being from a family of educators i think it's important to learn how to sell the students on why certain things are important for them and why it's important to be a lifelong learner and not to just learn your clinical skills and do your con ed courses when you finish but to to more to be more well-rounded i think that's an awesome answer i think that that's something that you know, I know Tavana, you were at Graham sessions that you had kind of, we had talked about a lot at the Graham sessions when um, you had spoke as a speaker there. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of people are probably going to have questions for you. Where can people reach out if they want to follow up with you with questions or if they want to see what you're up to these days? <laughs> Google Tavana Denise. (laughs) You'll find me that way. TavanaDenise.com is my website. There's a contact page that goes directly to my email. So I read all those. If you have a question, feel free to reach out. If you just want to see what zany stuff I'm up to when I'm not doing the coach thing, um, Facebook, Tavana, Tavana Denise, Tavana Boggs, either one will get me. And uh, sometimes I'm on Instagram posting inspiration at Tavana Denise. Savannah, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, 
yeah, thanks for helping out our audience on learning some uh, alternative um, careers and some other things they can do with their degrees. Well, thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> yeah, we got it this time. We're not losing it. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.